Well, bless you. It's good to be uh, here. My age, it's good to be anywhere. <laughs> Especially like I've been hurting. Most of my wounds are self-inflicted. When you kind of get old, as I'm kind of old, you pick up falling somewhere. And I, I was silly in my first seasons of falling. I gave myself, oh, I fall every other week. And I stopped giving them a while, and they just kept on going. <laughs> so I'm a victim of a couple of falls the last three weeks or so, and was in more pain yesterday than I remember being in a long time. And uh, I, I learned some things I had never known. Now, let me kind of get you ready for what I have to say, and I might even not have to say it. But uh, uh, I was going to say God is up to something, and that would be true. But God is always up to something, okay? This book is, uh, a, by and large, a story of God confronting His people and His people responding to it, particularly in the New Testament, particularly the Gospels. You find Jesus meeting with the twelve and sometimes more and uh, big, big crowds, small crowds, and something was always going on. Something was at stake. Now, uh, let me just make some cover statements. <clears throat> A lot of things that we pick up in Christianity are flat-out false. It's flat-out false. There are times when the gospel is not good news. It doesn't come as good news until the preface of the gospel, which is bad news, is accepted. If you accepted Jesus just because He looked good to you, you probably didn't get the one I got. You probably didn't get the one Paul got. When he gave his testimony, it was essentially this. Well, I was doing fine as a good religious man and got saved and all hell broke loose. And it didn't get any better. Wound up him losing his head in Rome. I mean, you can't sell Christianity on being good news like the world labels good news. So you can be rather sure if you let the world label your reality, you're messed up like the world is messed up. Didn't expect one. Didn't get one, amen, did I? Well, let me tell you a story in the midst of this, and it might be a warning to you. I had a dream last night. It's a bad dream. It was a nightmare. It looked pretty good. crowd was nice. looked good. I did well and preached. And I got set and, and asked for a response and was aware that nobody there could feel anything. I'd never had one like that. I'm still looking at the, uh, at the uh, involvements of that and the meaning of that. I remember my, my view sweeping over on uh, the, the whole crowd winding up over here. People sit there just like they didn't hear anything. And uh, just kind of a warning, I hope you're feeling something. 
I hope you're feeling something. I, uh, as Johnny and I talked about this meeting, and I began to pray toward it, pray into it. Uh, th this is not a, this is not just an event. This is a, this is a tryout. This is a feeler of God about how much of himself he will pour out on you. His problem is not being willing to bless you. His problem is that as God, blessing you too much can be a curse. And that is to bless you before you're ready to receive the blessing. Or receive it too early, not, how to, not having counted the cost. Now, not, not a scripture in, involved in that yet. But I know it to be true. Do you? Do you sense it to be true? Yeah. Well, I need to tell you, uh, this means yes. This means no. And this means nothing. So I'm watching you. <laughs> I was in pain yesterday all day. I, I, don't, I don't like pain. I've had lots of it. And I just never have learned to love it. But I learned something about pain. Pain happens. I, I woke up last night not feeling a thing. I mean, I, I didn't feel a thing. I said, dear Lord, I'm dead or healed, one or the other. <laughs> dead or healed, I'm not feeling a pain. Of course, the doctor gave, gave a suggestion about a, a, a pain medicine I could take and take away the pain. Well, it did. It ripped all the pain out of my whole system. I couldn't feel a thing. I, I really thought, hey, you're either dead or healed, one or the other. Well, it was neither one, really. And I began to feel some back, and that's good. I mean, it's comforting to me. Wow, can I make myself hurt? I miss my old friend. Well, let me tell you three things about pain. This is not in the Scripture, but it's all over the Bible. Number one, pain can be a detector. If you didn't have pain, you'd be dead. Pain is a detector. And uh, pain is a protector. When you are in pain, you want to go the other way, do something about it or some other reaction to it. And if you do the right thing, you get well. So pain can be a detector, a protector, and a connector. Jesus was labeled a man of sorrows. God didn't label him that. Humanity responded to him to make his life a man of sorrows. And uh, if you respond to your pain and you will have it, I'm not talking just about physical pain. I'm talking about emotional pain. I'm talking about spiritual pain, spiritual lack Things you're concerned about when you consider, well, am I really a Christian or what kind of Christian am I? Or what can I do to be sure that when God wants to call on somebody to do something big, I'll be in the, I'll, I'll be in the party? Uh, and, and you wonder about that. And so, may I tell you something? 
if, if you're having pain of any kind, uh, physical, spiritual, emotional, uh, God is connecting with you, and when you properly respond to Him, uh, you can go on to the next lesson. Does that make any sense? Okay. This means, yes. <laughs> no. This means. So, I, I'm just going to talk to you from the heart, which means I really don't have a clue about what I'm going to say. So, that, don't ask me to explain it. I'm rather gravely certain that it's true. And it's necessary in the mixture of what God will do this weekend, ultimately, altogether. And I heard some good things last night about the service. And uh, I just want to tell you God's up to something big. Yeah. I knew that when I was coming. Yeah. And it involves every one of you and a great many more. And it is cosmic in its origin. It comes from heaven. And don't mistake the things from heaven. They don't always look good. You cannot expect things born from the womb of heaven to be handsome. Always. They'll look threatening. They'll stir up questions. They'll be confrontive. They'll be illustrative. And God will keep on explaining it till you get it un unless or until you tell Him you don't want it. So if you come today where you think you ought to be, I'm not saying just up to now, I am it. I'm where I've always wanted to be. I'm, I'm blessed as I can be. Uh, you're, you're in bad condition. The biggest things God has ever done for you are in the future. If you dwell upon something God has already done to the extent that you don't need anything else, you got off track somewhere. Because everything God has done in your life to now has been for a purpose. I'm, I'm being acquainted with the fact that I'm, I'm a victim of what I teach about the kingdom. And I woke up one morning and I, I, I just saw the words, as I often do, like, like reading the back of my eyelids. The total interconnectedness of the kingdom. Think about it. There is no reality apart from the reality of what God is up to. Period. They're not nations. Those are included in what God is up to or what God has got to get through to get to where He's going. And in the process of history, everything is weeded out until in eternity, the only thing that is left is what God has progressed through to fill His redeemed universe with. And that's where we're headed. This is a big thing. It begins up here in the cosmic. It goes to the, I don't know what's next in the cosmos, I suppose the galaxies or a lot of other things, but finally you get to the earth. Now it's not very big, it's a little 
mud hole just on the arm of the Milky Way, which is one of the larger galaxies. And, 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 and God somehow, at least it appears, this Bible being true, that God is stationed on this earth, His plans to touch the entirety of the universe. You're a part of that. Sorry. There's no place to settle here. There's no place to settle like the world offers. If you get this, you'll be satisfied. If you get this much money, you'll be enough. If you get this well-known, you'll be plenty well. Uh, let me just station here, and, and uh, I hope you'll remember this. If not, I'll write it down for you. <clears throat> the greatest things that we will discover in the future will lie just beneath the surface of or near thereby what we thought we knew enough about not to have to learn anymore. Now let me use an illustration. You know salvation? Oh yeah. Man, I remember that day in that, in that meeting. I, I, was under, I was under such conviction and, and I said, I'll do anything to get God off my back. And I said, here I come. And I repented and I got saved. Hallelujah, I'm saved. Then, are you aware that everything happened so that other things might happen? When did they stop happening? When did we get off track and start making salvation something we, we could get behind us so we would, could get ahead of what we've planned for our lives? And how many of us were taught in church this is just the beginning. This is not the end. If it's the end, it's the front end, not the back end. And we're gathering people and showing them how wonderful it is to be saved. And it's not all that's cracked up to be if the purpose of salvation is to make you feel good all the time. How are you doing? Oh, I'm feeling good. Paid all the bills this month. And my wife and I get along rather well. And uh, we're just doing fine. Oh? Uh, does it have anything to do with why you got saved? I remember a sermon I heard some months ago. And I'll get to my scripture directly. Uh, and the, per the, the title of the sermon is, Did You Get What You Came For? Did you get what you came for? And I start asking that question in every meeting, in every event, in every accident. Uh, I've fallen a couple of times in the last month, and, and in one of them, I knocked myself out. I just hit something harder than my head, and one had to give up. And uh, I, was, I was gone for a little while. I had to go to the hospital. And about two, three weeks later, I had the same kind of accident, and uh, and I decided to ask God what, what, I was, what was I here for? What, what did that happen? I had had a physical cause. I was clumsy. I was stupid. I was, you know, I could blame myself, but it happened. And if it happened, I had to get it in the all things that he was talking about when he said, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And so I've got a, I, I have the responsibility if I get over something, if I don't have to get over it, I'm in heaven, so I don't have to do much. I rest is up to Him, really. But uh, if I'm alive, I need to ask, did I get what I came for? Now, look at me. I know about you 
Yeah, I do. I know about you. That's about you. I know about you. I know something about you, and I'm getting set to tell you. Maybe the most important thing you've ever heard about you. You are somewhere where you need to ask, have I gotten everything I came for? I think Jesus was doing that with his disciples all the time. They didn't know what he was doing. But he knew what he was doing. And every encounter with his disciples was an encounter with God. Because here was one unmovable who was his own north star, who was his own goal. He was God walking around in human skin. And every time he encountered them, they were encountering God. And they, they were a mess, and you're a mess. I, I know that about you. <laughs> you don't have to tell me you're a mess. I know because I'm a mess. I, I mean, a mess is no messes. And uh, we, can, we can stop putting on if you want to. I, I know me, and I know you, and if you know me like I know me, you'd probably feel worse about me than you do about you. I mean, I, I'm just there. But this is what I, know, what I know about you. Wherever you are right now, you are somewhere where God is about to open up heaven and show you what real Christianity is. And you're going to have an opportunity to say, I, I like what I'm doing. I don't want to lose anything. I, I don't want to give up something. If you're most, more stuck on where you are than where God wants you to be, you need to do some concern about that. Some active, willing concern to change. So I, I guess this is a pretty good place to insert my text. I was looking for a place. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. I don't know if you've ever just put your comedic interpretation on that. And these days, John the Baptist, you know who he was? He was a mess. Out there been eating, I, I don't know how they dress this down in some of the commentaries. Uh, ate locusts and wild honey, uh, yell and repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he said. Now that is a pretty good place to start from where you are. Repent. You have gotten where you are now by being willing to change your mind when evidential circumstances brought you to a necessary change. And you said yes to God. You said a thousand yeses to God to get you to where you are right now. What's it going to be now? You've never been this mature. My goodness, yeah. You really understand some things. You're in the most dangerous place you've ever been. And it will be near as dangerous as the next time. Life is dangerous. Life is a terrible risk. If you just freeze yourself in place, it'd be all right, but you'd be dead. 
Because once we get somewhere we like a little, we have a place that resists change. And when God comes for an evidential change, we'll take the world's idea over His idea and take off on a little side trip on God and build a superficial alternate kingdom, your kingdom. So what you're saying, as, as Jesus taught us a little later in this discourse, uh, you know, Jesus picked up on this and, in, and said the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's in 3.2. And in 4.16, uh, Jesus said, and then Jesus from then on said, began to preach, repent, change your mind for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at me. Listen, you started repenting the day you got saved. Maybe well, you started getting ready to repent, but you decisively repented and changed worlds. If the church didn't tell you that, the only world you had that was clear was the world you were living in. And you learned more from that world than you did from the new world God was offering you that looked so much different from the old world that you just said, I, I, I just can't believe that. And that's where faith is to come in because faith precedes, uh, a repentance precedes faith. Are you with me? Is anybody, am, am I saying anything to you? Well, I, I like it so far. It's more than I was thinking. So, which kingdom are you looking to for life? Another morning I awakened and words as big as, as big as Dallas said, saved by his life. I know actually alive by his life. Alive by his life. You know what that means? If his life is not your life, is not controlling your life in your life, you're in an alternative lifestyle. You visit this lifestyle because of things about it that have brought you blessings. But there's an arithmetic that is from God. Now, we've used arithmetic, and two and two is still four. And in God's, in God's world, that's, that's the same. But in God's world, uh, there's addition, and in God's world, there's subtraction. In God's world, there's division. And I don't know what to tell you about fractions because I leaped out of third grade or fourth grade and went to seventh, and, and uh, I never did learn about fractions. You, you put me in fractions, I'm gone. But God has a system, and His system covers every other system, and behind that system is kingdom truth. So that if we, if we stay messed up like we were before we started getting messed in or messed toward Jesus, if we cling to that world, we'll have wreck after wreck, never know why, and the pain will go on. I, I guess I said all that to say this. God's up to something with you or you wouldn't be here. And these meetings are going to be a a little step in that direction, and it's going to be what I call seminal. It's going to be the beginning of something huge in your person, and God that comes all the way from cosmic, from cosmic to galactic, 
and ultimately to, to our, our universe. I, I don't know how many universes God has. But it all narrows down to global and, and regional and personal. God knows where you are. You're in his gaze. He had a pretty huge gauge. And everybody here is in the middle of that gauge. You couldn't be any more in his gauge if you were the only one he was thinking about. He knows everything about you, past, present, and future. And yet, whether you enjoy what he has for you is hugely up to you. Hugely up to you. I do not know of a place in the earth. I'm, I'm really honest here. I don't say this everywhere. I have a lot of sons and daughters. and I'm, I'm the wealthiest man on the planet by far. Mom Frieda's the wealthiest mama. I've, I, I just to give you some... I have one minister we started helping 20, 30 years ago. They had 10,000 people together in a place that out, had, had outgrown every other mission, including the Southern Baptists who were the largest there. And he began to deal with demons and began to deal with the supernatural and they kicked him out. And he took the path less traveled. Are you watching me? Are you listening to me? Let me tell you. If you follow God, you will find yourself often in a path lesser traveled. I feel so all alone. Hallelujah. He can get to you better that way. He has to mess up a crowd to get to some of you. But I've noticed something about God. If he's got property somewhere he, and, and it's right in the middle of the devil's property, God will mess up the devil's property all the way to get to you. And I think that's kind of nice. He found himself alone and he said, God, I'll go with you. First meeting I was there became his papa. 40,000 people in a crusade stadium. Hundreds and hundreds saved. Right now, he presides over churches all over the world. 350,000 people. He's the same humble little man. About five feet two. If you were passing up greatness by sight, you'd miss him every time. Where was I on that point? Uh, just to tell you, I've, I've uh, one of my greatest pastors is this big man on my right. I, I can't think about him without weeping. Walked in a service, having driven him and his crew there, his core of his church, three hours, several times that week, and I watched him. Later on, became his papa. But uh, I start weeping when I think about what God is up to. And that one day, I said, God, I'll go your route. I'll take your path. 
I don't care how lonely it gets. I don't care how much I hurt. I, I, I will care how much pain I endure, but I'll endure it. I say yes, and if I ever say anything else, don't listen to it. Yes. Now, that'll tie you up. I, I made that mistake. I, I like it. I had more faith in, in him than I did in myself. And if he was trustworthy to take the dangerous step, the deadly step, the step of the cross, until you learn to, to kiss the cross until you had splinters in your mouth. God may have you pretty close to where he wants you. And uh, I'm not saying I'm farther down the road than anybody here. I've found out that the more, the more you grow, the lesser you have of a lot of things. There is the matter of subtraction in God's mathematics. I've lost a lot of things, lost a lot of people. Some by death, some by detraction, distraction, some by just being fractious. But I've never lost in God that I didn't gain. Are you with me? And so I, I think I'm talking about where we are. And uh, I woke up another time with these words. It has never been more important in the history of the world than... It is right now that, and God just cut it off right there. You finish the statement. I said, well, my, my, it's never been any more vital or important or significant in the history of the world that I know who's running the show. And I've had very little to do with it, and when I have a little to do with it, I can mess it up real big. It's never been more important that you know that when you look at a situation, you don't look at it through the narrow eyes of one person who says, I'm first. I'll figure this out for myself. It's never been more important that you find out who's running the show. It's never been more important, really important, not just theoretically important, never been more important that you know that God is God. That when His name is mentioned in the beginning, God. In the beginning, there wasn't... My old atheist uncle came to me when I was 15, 14. And had given my life to preach, and Johnny was a great big man. And Johnny came out, said, you going to preach, son? I said, yep, I'm going to preach. He said, well, if you're going to preach, you have the answer to this question. What was before the beginning? I don't know what I said. I'm not sure I said this, but I thought it. And if I was saying what I thought, I, I said, well, Uncle Johnny, guess if any of my business or yours, God has said before the beginning and told us what was before the beginning. <laughs> the important thing is that God was here when it all started and probably was the cause of its start. Knows exactly what he's doing, knows everything about everything, and you don't know everything about anything. Why would you ever question the mind that is in you, the mind of Christ, about how or what to do when you're in trouble or other times, 
And, uh, yeah. But anyway, as Jesus met with these people, there was always from the cosmic to the personal. And that's where we're standing right now. What time you want me through? 10, 20, 10, 30? Okay, good. I, I can say it. I can do it. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll know when you're ready. Have you heard anything? Have you heard anything for you? Have you heard a caution? Have you heard a promise? Okay. I'm telling you, folks. Once you get a kingdom perspective, even just a baby one like I have, Golly, this is a different book. This is the breath of God. Distilled on page. And when the same spirit that gave it birth and gave it sight written down on pages, it didn't cease to be his word or was any less his word. But you can read the paper without reading the heart of God if you don't have the God in you that, that created his word. We've got churches full of the Bible, but empty of the breath that gave it its value. I parsed, I, I translated, parsed Every, what do you parse it out and conjugate a verb? And I did all the works of Paul, conjugated every verb, parsed every noun, and named every part of speech and gave it translation. Wow. Took months and months and months. I never had one course. on what the Bible was. It is a God-breathed document. It is not as a document and is never called the Word of God as a document. It's properly named Bible. The Bible. Now there's gospel. It is the Bible, there's none like it. It is the book, there's none that compares to it. And what, what is incomparable about it is it's alive. It's not alive biologically. You can set all the, all the tools to find life and, and get, a, get a heart deal and you can't find a heartbeat. But you say yes to the Holy Ghost in you and he'll pick up a whole life. You'll have a revival. My nephew Andy is... Has written a book and it's, it's, it's conquered me. He said, reading the Bible for all it's worth. Have you ever thought of reading the Bible for all it's worth? Well, it'll slap you against the wall. How do you read the Bible for all it's worth? You read it through the eyes of the king. You read it through the eyes of heaven. You read it through the eyes of the spirit. And folks, this revival that is about to begin, I, I, I hear it prophesied everywhere, 
But you better peel your eyes because it ain't going to look like any we've had. Let me tell you the difference it's going to be. It's going to be a revival of heavenly truth and heavenly revelation. It's going to be a revival of life in Christ. And in that revival, there's going to be pain of the detective kind. There's going to be pain of the protective kind. And there's going to be pain of the connective kind. And uh, you're, you're right now forming a little crux of that right now. Begins. What if it were to begin with you? How would you like to know that you might be the one whom God is using as a mark to get there a second before the rest of us? Would you be willing to say to God, well, if, that, if that's important to you, I guess I better well, get myself into line. Would you be willing to do that? Knowing it might cost you. Oh, it's sure to cost you. But I can tell you this, you don't need to wind up with the cost because when you see the result of the cost, it'll be such a good deal you'll leap at it the next time. Okay? Where are you? Feeling anything? What you feel is God on the way somewhere. Saying to you, is, is there anything you're a hold of that you can't turn loose of to get a hold of what I have a hold of? Or have I blessed you so much that what you found in my blessing is such that you have to stop saying yes to me to go on with me? Wouldn't that be crazy? Well, just don't be dumb then. Just don't be stupid. I mean, God forgives ignorance, but stupid is forever, you know? Medicine can cure ignorance, but there's nothing to cure stupid. You have the mind of Christ in you. I dared say this 20 years ago, and God's answered my prayer as far as I know, but it's not over. I said, God, I want you to change my mind on every issue on which you and I do not now see eye to eye. Now, if you want to live a normal life, don't ever pray that prayer. Just don't touch it. You want to live a perfectly miserable life, just don't mess with it at all. And go in your own wisdom. Go in your own best. Go in the, what these hands have built for you. Stay in that account where it's your account of your account. Because God will put you into another account, a new set of deposits, a new set of subtractions, and so on. And uh, again, I said to God, now, Lord, I pray that prayer, and if I ever pray any other prayer to the contrary, just say, sorry, you asked me not to pray, not to change. So I've been, I've been bought out. I've been deceived by God. I didn't see all this. He didn't tell me everything's ahead of me. So I think somewhere in here is something for every one of you. 
God has a different point of engagement for every person here. Every person here. You say, well, I'm not on God's radar. I'm not that important. Hey, that is a lie. I don't care what your station is. And I can say this before a baby six months old in the nursery. You don't know how important you are. If you'd have been the only person in the universe, Jesus Christ would have died for you. Because you're that important. Because he's going to use this race to get on with the big show. And that's what you're a part of. Imagine getting bogged down in the little show on the way to the big show. You ain't home yet. Don't get to feeling at home in this world. I love that old song. And I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yeah. That means there's a better home awaiting. But this gets a whole heck of a lot better the more God gets in it. Can I testify that to you? All right, let's bow to pray. Let me pray over you. And I trust those that rule the, the schedule. I want you to think about you just for a minute. Where are you? Where are you? Do you have any lists of obediences that you haven't performed yet? What are you waiting on to say yes to God regarding that situation you face? Would it be all right? Do you trust God enough to say, okay, God, I don't know the answer. I don't know what will happen when I do what you say I ought to do, but I trust you enough that you know better for me than I know, so I tell you, have your way. Why don't you just do that right now? Why don't you just close the door on the nose of your life? Why don't you just open the door to your future and say, God, don't ever pray that prayer again if you can't do this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and you don't have to read this into that it's already here and start it in me you're the one praying it can you think of any place better to start than in you would you do that right now just say Lord I don't I don't know what it means to walk in a path less traveled I don't know what it is to give up something for you But something tells me that whatever I have to give up to get where you need to get me is worth getting rid of to get what you have. So, Father, right now, let total sanity fall like a sheet over this crowd, including every one of us right now. We say yes to the future you've written down beforehand and no to everything we've written down without your your yes to it. Whatever mid-course corrections I need to make, I'm willing to make. Have your way in me. 
in Jesus' name. How do you like my papa? <clears throat> you know, we have one heavenly father. And I believe when we get saved, often we have like one father or mother that kind of speak into us. And the older we get, the Lord may give us uh, a few. But I'm so thankful that the Lord has put you, Papa Jack, Mama Frida, in my life. And I just want to say... <clears throat> And I'm saying this for all of us that will agree. <clears throat> uh, yes, Lord. And if I ever say anything else to you, Lord, that's contrary to that, don't listen to it. I, I, there's never going to be another time when I say no that should cancel out the yes that I'm saying to you right now. And Papa Jack... Uh, every phrase, not just sentence, but the Lord's showing me every phrase that you're speaking has seeds of the kingdom in it. And it's more than just seeds, it's actually leaven. And I want to say, I'm receiving that leaven whether I understand what that actually is and can articulate. I receive that so that it permeates my entire being. And I feel like I get more of the kingdom of God just from sitting beside you. And I honor you, and I honor you, Mama Frida, for just saying yes to him and for the DNA that I personally get from you and my family gets and we get. Thank you. We honor you. And that's my response to God's invitation this morning. We're going to get more. Amen. Go ahead. Come on. <clears throat> so, Father, everybody that's clapping right now, we are all saying the same thing about this. And we ask God that the leaven that each one of us have, and you've given each one of us a piece of it, that it would permeate our being, the leaven of the kingdom of God. We receive that right now from each other. Let it just go exponential in each one of us, accelerated understanding. In Jesus' name, would you receive that? An accelerated understanding of the kingdom of God.